praise you today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. As we conclude uh, our message here, I, I was thinking about Father's Day. I was thinking about the, the day that I became a dad or officially became a dad, and Oliver was born, and uh, all of the joy of that, it was a Sunday morning, and uh, it was uh, filled with excitement. I remember calling Tim and saying, Tim, the baby's on the way, and I need you to come preach for me. Uh, it, was, uh, it was really just an amazing thing. I told Wendy that she was going to have the baby that day. She didn't believe me. I said it at like 5 in the morning. I was like, I think we're going to go to the hospital today. And she, I went back to sleep, and she stayed awake then. And she's like, he might be right. But uh, the excitement of all of that, and you have the baby, and it's all amazing, and you're at the hospital. When you're at the hospital, you feel like you're in this sort of like safety net, you know, like you're not going to screw it up, like somebody else is taking care of the baby. But then there's the moment where they say, okay, it's time for you to go home. Right? And I don't know if, uh, if you remember the feeling for yourself, but the feeling for me was, I am completely unqualified for this. Like, shouldn't I have gotten a class? Like, where was the tutorial on how to be a dad? Was anybody else feeling that way? We, uh, you know, we got the, the uh, baby uh, carrier for the car, the car seat, and I had it, like, winched down to the lowest level and, like, you know, because I thought they come out smaller. Well, Oliver came out like a sack of potatoes. I mean, he was just shy of 10 pounds. And so, like, I was trying to adjust, like, okay, it's time to go home, and I was messing with the car seat. And, like, I had a mild breakdown. It's like, if I can't get the car seat right, like, how's the rest of this whole thing going to go down, right? And so it's like, you know, certainly they should have given you a tutorial, you know, get a few certificates or degrees, like some qualifications uh, to be a dad. And uh, it's, you know, I'd like to say it's been nothing, uh, nothing but perfection uh, from that, that day on, but really it, it hasn't been. And I know that I share with dads and that, uh, that we don't always get it right, and it's not always that we're perfect. Um, I'm glad they didn't take them back. There, there were a few moments where I thought they might be like, yeah, you're, and no refund either. But um, uh, I'm so grateful that I get to be a dad. And I told Oliver this morning, thanks for being, uh, thanks for being my son and making me a dad. Uh, when I think about life and I think about the journey of becoming a dad, what I have found most important is, is that it's in my sort of lack of feeling qualified or my lack of feeling a sense of I know what in the world I'm doing uh, that I draw closer to God there were seasons in our life uh, when our children weren't sleeping and I'll tell you what when your children don't sleep you really start crying out to God right it's like oh please Lord would you just give me one hour of sleep and uh, you know and soon you're just begging for you know five minutes of quiet you couldn't figure out problems and and uh, you couldn't figure out how to make uh, soothe your crying child and it becomes desperate now when I'm sitting in a restaurant and I hear a crying baby I think man I'm glad that's not me anymore uh, I'm on the other side of that and I just sort of laugh at their suffering uh, so it's very sympathetic but I wonder about my qualifications sometimes and I know that we do that too but it's in my lack of qualification that I find myself drawing closer to God and trusting in him and this morning that's really what I want to talk to us about it's our uh, sort of qualifications. Qualifications to go and love our neighbors. And I want to share with you uh, a story that sort of leads up to Luke 10. Uh, we've spent time uh, 
in the latter part of Luke 10, we've looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan. We also look at Mary and Martha, and those are both at the back end of the chapter. But what Luke is doing is there was actually a sort of setup to what this uh, particular teaching was all about. And I want to cover maybe where I should have started, but I felt like it might work better to circle back to it and point out a couple of important things to you. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, my emphasis was on that it was the Samaritan, the sort of surprise that it was the Samaritan was the one who was the, fr- uh, who was the neighbor. He was the one who drew near to those who are hurting. And my encouragement to us was that to love our neighbors, we need to be those who draw near to those who are hurting. We need to be those who sort of cross the gap and don't pass by on the other side of the road, that we need to be the ones that go to the fence line, that we need to be the ones that cross the alley, that we need to be the ones that cross whatever division there is, whether it's the political spectrum, whether it's uh, uh, any other sort of thing that goes on in our life that sort of seeks to divide us. We need to cross those boundaries and draw near to those, even if, even if socially we might be different than, than them, even if there are these divisions and these things that sort of separate us, that we would be the ones that draw near to our neighbors, that we would make the first step. And that was the opening emphasis, and that, I would, that we would think about who our neighbors are and pray for them, pray for the opportunities. And then last week, I shared with you about Mary and Martha, and that Mary uh, did something socially incredibly different than anything before her, and that was that she sat at the feet of Jesus. And the emphasis of that message was is that we need to be reminded sometimes Who gets to have a place with Jesus Christ? And that Jesus is for everyone, and everyone has a place at the foot of Christ to learn with him and call him Lord and Savior and learn at the feet of Christ. No one gets excluded from the gospel message. So with with that said, no one gets excluded. Let's be the ones who draw near to our neighbors. I want to then draw from Luke chapter, the end of chapter 9, And then also the sort of beginning of ministry for the 70 or 72 disciples and kind of look at them, their conclusion of what happens. In in Luke 9, at at the end of the chapter, there is a person who comes to Jesus and says, I am ready to follow you. And Jesus says to him, well, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Almost to say, like, yeah, you can come follow me, but I want you to know that to follow me is going to be rather difficult. You may not always be comfortable. And then uh, he speaks to another person and says, hey, come follow me. And and he says, well, first, let me go bury my father. And this is Jesus' message for us on Father's Day. Let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus' message is sort of like, you know, we can take it like with a total lack of compassion, right? And that's not Jesus' intent. But Jesus is saying that if you're going to be proclaimers of the kingdom of God, the priority has to be the proclamation. The priority has to be seeking the kingdom. And this is all a sort of emphasis in leading Jesus who will say to, uh, who, who will say to his very own disciples, he'll say at the beginning of chapter 10, that we need to be praying for these harvest workers, that the field is ready for the picking, it's ready for harvest, and we are lacking the harvesters, and we need to be praying for them. 
And so after Jesus' invitation to pray for harvesters, then he sends out the 70 or 72. It depends on what uh, Bible translation you're reading, and they haven't settled it in the commentaries either, how many there are. And I actually think there's a point to that, and I'll share it in a moment. But Jesus then sends out the disciples, and he says, go and be proclaimers of the kingdom of God. Go and announce that the kingdom of God is available. And if a house receives this message, then bless them and care for them, and this is great. And if they don't receive the message and they reject the message, then shake the dust off your feet and get on out of there. And, they, and Jesus gives them authority to drive out demons and to heal and to proclaim that the kingdom of God is breaking into the world. This is the beginning of chapter 10. And, and they come back and they give a report. And it says they are filled with joy. They have done remarkably well. And here we'll pick up into our story in Luke 10, verse 17. The 72 re returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. In verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I, gave, uh, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that heaven's, uh, heaven's sort of honor roll is growing. The names, their names are written in heaven. Souls have been won. Satan has been uh, overcome. He's fallen. At this time, Jesus, full of joy through the Spirit, says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you, re and you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you, what, this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows the Father, who the Father is except the Son, and to those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples, and he said privately to them, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Who are the people who get to be the gospel proclaimers, the first ones right out, of, uh, right out of the gate? Who are the people who get to proclaim the kingdom of God as of them? And what I love in what Jesus uh, says is, is that it, there's a kind of a bit of a surprise to it. The surprise is, is that right there, uh, in verse 21, he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you revealed them to the little children. He also says that, blessed are you, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. To see what you see and hear what you hear it, I think traditionally we would have thought that the ones who were going to do the proclaiming of the kingdom of God were going to be the kings and the prophets. That the ones who get the privilege, the ones who are qualified, the ones who get to do the very first proclamation that the kingdom of God is breaking into the world is going to be the wise and wealthy kings. 
that they would be the ones best qualified to go out and say, there's a new king who's come in town, and we're going to hand over our crowns, and it's this guy. They would have wielded the power. They would have had the means necessary. They would have been able to say to all of their sort of minions in their kingdom and say, go and tell everyone that Jesus is king and that the kingdom of God is breaking into the world. If you were God, wouldn't you go that route? Wouldn't you have recruited the kings? Or maybe you would have used the prophets. Who better to do God's work than God's prophet? They were the wise and the learned. They knew God. They knew his will. They knew his word. Let's use the qualified prophets who are the trained spokesmen for God. Let's use the kings and the prophets. But is that who Jesus uses? No, he instead uses a tax collector, he uses a farmer, he uses a fisherman, he uses everyday sort of common folk. He uses the unemployed, the underemployed, and unemployable. He uses people who are completely unqualified. They don't have the power and stature and status of kings and they don't have the learned edu education and a, and a life spent with God as the prophets. It's not the wise kings and it's not the wise prophets. It's not the powerful kings and it's not the wise prophets. It's everyday, common, ordinary people who are the first ones out of the gate who gets proclaimed that Jesus is Lord and King and they are the ones who go into a village and they proclaim the Lordship of Christ and demons are... are uh, are cast away and people are healed and people receive with joy that the kingdom of God is breaking in and these are this message is coming not from the qualified but the unqualified and it has me thinking are you more like Herod the king or are you more like the farmer or the fisherman and it has me reflecting on some of the most important people in the life of the church, of the Etna Green Church of Christ. And my years here are limited to the 14 years that I've been here. And I know that you can add names to the honor roll of the Etna Green Church of Christ. But I have found that some of the greatest proclaimers of the kingdom of God were people like Harold the farmer. who was a dutiful servant and a Sunday school teacher and an elder and a caretaker for people. That some of the greatest people in the kingdom of God and who were proclaimers are the Charlotte Slaybaws of the world who was a banker and a seamstress and a baker and a, and a really long list of things and a, a historian who keep, you know, keep the story straight. And, you know, the honor roll is filled with people who, named Gene Price who planted a garden every, every spring and gave from the harvest to those who needed it most. The honor roll is filled with, I hate to admit it, I'm sorry, Dick, but hangy stouters of the world who would feed the poor and the widows and go fishing and give to the poor and those who need it, who fed our community through his grocery store, whether or not he got paid or not. That the honor roll in the kingdom of God is filled with so many remarkably unqualified people. And what I have found in fatherhood is also true in our discipleship. 
that in understanding my total lack of qualification, it puts me in the exact right position with God. Because I do not carry with me, or I set, or I try to, I try to set aside the sort of arrogance of a king and the arrogance of a prophet that I would somehow have a beat on what God is doing in the world or that I might have the power and influence of a king. I don't have any of those things. I have God. And that's how Jesus sends out his disciples. He sends them out and he says, hey guys, you don't get to take any extra clothes with you. We went to, uh, we went to uh, Michigan this weekend. We wanted to be able to go and be with uh, the Heckman and Walter family for Barb. And uh, so we went uh, to Wendy's parents. They live in DeWitt. And, and uh, you know, it's just a quick overnight. And the amount of things I brought with us just to, for one overnight, it's like, you know, could we bring more things? You know, it's like, we said pack light, it's a one overnighter, and I'm just as bad, like I brought uh, work to bring with me and all kinds of stuff. It's just like, and Jesus, he says, he says to his disciples, I want you to go out there, and I want you to go out in such a way that the only thing you can do is depend on me. Don't bring any extra money, extra clothes, extra, extra sandals, don't bring anything extra. I just want you to go out and proclaim the message. I want you to be so remarkably unqualified and unprepared. I want you to just totally rely on me. And they come back with joy and they say, listen to the message. It was received. It was embraced. And people, we saw lives transformed. We saw lives changed for eternity. We saw the honor roll list in heaven grow exponentially because people received the message that the kingdom of God is for them and they have a place. And so I just have a question for you. Are you more like the wise kings and prophets or are you, more, are you like Harold, Herod the king or Harold the farmer? And I want to say to you that Jesus is still recruiting you today and Jesus is still asking that you would go out and you, you would trust in him and proclaim this message that you would pray for the harvest and that there would be workers and that you would in turn listen and hear and know that he's recruiting you to go and love your neighbor and so everything i've said has been this strategy the strategy to remind us that everyone has a place in the kingdom of god that everyone has a place to learn from and be drawn closer to jesus and have a relationship with him and I, I started strategically with the Good Samaritan to remind us that it's not just the sort of lecture to go and, and uh, uh, take care of uh, all sorts of problems in the world, but it's just simply to be a person that passes by on the, on the right side of the road, to be aware of the hurt and be aware of what's going on in people's lives and just simply be a people who connect with others. That we would cross the alleys and cross the fences and be a part of our neighbor's lives. Because I believe Jesus is still calling us to be messengers of his gospel. To be proclaimers. And it's been a little bit of a sneak attack to tell you that you might be sitting in the pew today and you can think of all of the reasons why you're not qualified. And it is that exact feeling. And it is the exact notion that you don't know enough, that you're not qualified enough, that you're afraid you're going to screw it up. You probably will. I mean, I'm getting a good look at you. It is your complete lack of qualification that is your greatest 
qualification. And here's what it is. There's only one qualifier. Are you available? Jesus prays for the workers of the harvest, and then 70 or 72 go. And here's why I think that's funny, or this is not vetted by anything, it's just my intuition. If those who went were prestigious and important like prophets and kings, there would have been detailed, uh, detailed events of who was there, who was in, and what happened. And because it was common, everyday, ordinary folk, they weren't sure, well, was it 70 or was it 72? If it was kings, we would have known. But because it was common folks like you and me, they went out and they proclaimed the gospel because it wasn't about them. It was about what was true and what was available and what was now present and breaking into the world. It was their complete lack of qualification that was their greatest qualification. And it was their availability, not their ability. It's making ourselves available to be an answer to prayer. It's making ourselves available to be the harvest workers in God's kingdom. And the question and the challenge today is, do you want to make yourself available to God to be used by him? And it begins with prayer and asking God to send workers into the harvest field. And just know that he might ask you to go and be one of the harvesters. You are qualified, not because of your skills, not because of anything you've said or done, outside of the fact that you're here. That you've decided that Jesus has mattered to you, he's mattered to your family, he has done something for you, he has changed your life. You want to worship him, you want to glorify him, you want to serve his children, you want to bless and encourage them. You have shared the good news with friends, you have shared the good news, you have shared with friends that you love the Lord and he matters deeply to you. You've comforted friends when they've been sick and hurting, you've comforted them when they've lost loved ones, you have been there for each other, you've made meals, you've sacrificed much, you've given to the poor, you have done all of these things because you know what that 70 groups of men and women knew, this truth that Jesus is Lord and King and that the world from that time on would never be the same. This ragtag bunch of disciples, they knew something and was changing. And you know that too. You know that the kingdoms of this world will one day give all of their authority and they will hand it all over and they'll give it to the Lord King Jesus Christ. You know that sin is forgiven. You know that Jesus is Lord and King and he's rescued you and he's rescued your neighbor. You know the gospel story. Now let's pray for harvesters. Let's pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers to proclaim the good news that Jesus is king. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you.
And we thank you that you have qualified us, not through our wisdom, not through our prestige, not through our intelligence, not through our education, not through all of these things that we use to prop ourselves up. Lord, you hold us up by your word and your truth and your love. Lord, you are what qualifies us to go and be your messengers. We thank you for those who shared the good news with us before. Those who taught us, whether it was parents or if it was dads, if it was our moms, if it was uh, a church, a Sunday school teacher, someone who just blessed us and loved us and shared with us the good news about your son. Today, God, we thank you and we praise you for uh, the blessings of knowing you and that you have called us to be your own. We pray to you now, Lord, and we ask that you, as the Lord of the harvest, would send out workers into the field. You'll be your harvesters, proclaimers, announcing that the kingdom of God is available. We pray, God, for opportunities to share and love and encourage and point people to you. Lord, we desire this, that people would know you and glorify you with their lives. We love you, and we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for being our Father in heaven. And we honor you this day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to just share with you an encouragement from the text. It's the simple but important reminder. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. You've hidden them from the wise and the learned, and you've revealed them to little children. You've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you were pleased to do. Jesus elsewhere will say, our Father in heaven, is, it's his great pleasure to give you his kingdom. We are all the little children who have heard the good news, who call on God to be our Heavenly Father. I praise God that we can share in that, and I ask that we would share that truth with others, that they can be a part of the kingdom. Blessed are you, little children. Let's praise God together. Please stand.